There's such a sweet presence in here right now. And you know that's not delegated to church. It's a shame to only experience that in church, isn't it? Why, why only do it once a week? You could have it every day. You know. And the opportunity is there if you're willing to have it as consistently as you like. You know, it says in scriptures, if God didn't hold back his own son, if he didn't, I mean, he freely gave his most, the most valuable th- the thing that he could give was Jesus. It says, how will he not also freely give you all other things? If his answer is yes to sending Jesus, don't you think his answer is yes when it comes to your salvation in other areas? <laughs> We've so much of religion. See, because the flesh, everybody say the flesh. The flesh understands religion. The flesh understands earning and working and striving. And the flesh understands deserving. Okay? But Jesus came that you might have life. He didn't come to look at your report card. He came to... To give you a way into God's family. He came to change your very nature. See, because you were of the world. But when you receive Christ of no credit of your own. You become of heaven. He, he was trying to explain to the Pharisees. He says, I am from above. <laughs> you are from here. <laughs> You're from the earth. See, the flesh understands the world. And the flesh understands religion because religion's about earning. It's about deserving. Okay, but what religion, it'll make the blessings of God. See, my kids are blessed because I'm their dad, not because they're good. They get to eat at my table because I'm their father, not because they're good. See, I remember a story a pastor told while back and he would share about how there would be a couple ladies that would come up and uh, they'd come to the prayer line and they'd ask they'd receive healing and there was this one particular lady she never came to church on time didn't give that much didn't volunteer wasn't a good christian she'd come to the prayer line and ask for her healing and she would receive it every time and then there was another lady came to the church all the time Gave all the time, volunteered all the time. She'd come to the prayer line and she would not receive it. See, we have a tendency to think that because of what we do, we earn our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. We earn our child status. All of those things are free by grace through the purchased blood of Jesus Christ. My son cannot earn the right to be my son. He is my son by default. There's no choice. When you look at my son, he has my nature. Why? Because I gave it to him. I gave him his nature. See? And we understand that. We see that in the world. You know, we can... <laughs> we do the same thing with our animals and our horses and our pets. And we, you know, when you have a, a sire... 
you, you, and you really like that sire. Let's say you know, my dad was into horses for a while, and they finally got a horse they really liked, had beautiful paint markings all over it. They wanted to have other horses like that horse, so they used it for breeding. See? And it passed on the nature of that stallion to every one of them, and we had really colorful horses. <laughs> see? see, we are his children. It's not by works, but it's by grace. And you cannot earn healing. You can't deserve healing. Nothing you do takes you out. And nothing you do takes you in. It's Jesus that brought you in. See? Now, we can believe. Everybody say believe. believe. See, we let our beliefs rob us of promises of God. And if you have a belief about God that it's deserving, that it's earning. Now, does God want holiness? Oh, yes, he does. That's not the message I'm preaching right now. The message I'm preaching right now is that right now you are all, if you have received Christ, you are sons and daughters of God. I can remember a personal testimony of this church, and mom, mom can tell you. There was a guy that started coming here. He was in the, um, I, I don't exactly know the details, but let's just be vague and say he was in the last stages of cancer, okay? He came to our church. And it's not because he came to our church that he got healed. It's because we believe in healing. <laughs> and we prayed, and guess what? He got healed. But if you've been trained religiously for years and years and years, see, even though that man was healed by grace, healed, healed by grace, he believed the reason God chose to heal him was because he'd been faithful to the church that didn't believe in healing. He went back to his old church, and he died. I don't know how long it took, okay? See, the devil will rob you through what you believe. The devil will rob you through what you believe about God and your relationship with God. If he didn't spare his son while you were still a sinner, what makes you think he won't heal you now that you're saved? See, that's religion. And, and every single one of us that have been taught little lies like that, it's your and the Holy Ghost job working together to root those things out and remove them from your heart and from your mind because they're stealing from you. I don't know if your mind works this way, but mine does, you know. If you, <laughs> I like computers and tech stuff. And, uh, you know, if you have a computer, it starts out brand new, blank slate. Nothing in it except the operating system that, that the programmer gave it. But you take that computer and you hook it up to the internet, hook it up to the rest of the world, you get all this input. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. Okay, And if anybody has dealt with a computer, you can get viruses, you can get malware, you can get people come in and steal your information. Anybody ever get an email that says, you know, such and such, and you have a virus and you need to download this. Do you know what? That's probably a virus. <laughs> it's deception. Everybody say deception. deception. They'll tell you they'll cure your virus and they're the virus. <laughs> deception. The world's the same way. The world is the same way. And you start out a blank slate. You start out nothing but the operating system that's in you. 
And every single one of us starts out with the nature, the operating system of Adam. And the operating system of Adam was it was sin. Everybody say sin. Sin came naturally. That's what you were programmed with when you were born. But if you are born again, you receive not the operating system of the world, but the operating system that comes from Christ. You receive the nature that is from Christ. See, And if you have been born again, you have the nature of Christ on the inside of you. Now that nature of Christ, it still has to be nourished. It still has to be grown up. It still has to be taught. So my point in saying that is this, even though you are born again, if you take that born again spirit and nourish it with lies, you can be the child of God going to heaven, but you've got viruses in your thinking and viruses in your believing. And let me tell you the best antivirus program out there. It's the word of God and it's praying in the spirit. Because this is truth. And the Holy Ghost was sent for one purpose it's to teach you, to lead you. Jesus said it this way. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. The Greek word is orphanos. I will not leave you orphans. I'll not leave you alone to defend, defend you for yourself, to teach yourself. I'm sending somebody else. And if I don't go away, he can't come. But if I leave, he will come and he'll not only be with you here, but he'll be with everyone to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the Holy Ghost is here to lead you and guide you into all truth. Everybody say truth. See, truth, there's no danger in truth. It'll take you in the right direction all the time. See, and it's not by works. It's by his purchased blood. It's by his blood that he shed to give us access he made me a child of God. He made you a child of God. Now maybe you've gotten some viruses in your teaching. <laughs> maybe you've been hooked up to the world and you've gotten all this input. Maybe other people have told you such and such. The Holy Ghost can clear that chaff out. But you spend time with him, not with everybody else. See. If you don't have a good foundation of what the word of God says, somebody that claims to know the word of God will come and take your lunch. I'm just going to attack this. I don't think this is any danger to anybody here. Um, one of the, there's a whole lot of questioning everything going on in our society. Anybody found that out? Everything that's been established is being questioned. And even good things that are true are being thrown out. <laughs> Everybody's chalking everything. Nobody knows anything anymore. And uh, one of, uh, it's a growing movement of people, especially young people, that believe the earth is actually flat. They believe it is literally a disk. And if you walk too far, you're going to fall off it. Now, they're convinced of this because people make reasonable rational arguments without foundation of the truth now i was taught and schooled in science and a lot of it and i was taught and schooled in a lot of reasonable logical thinking and they can ask questions and poke holes in why they think the earth is a globe 
but they make assumptions. Well, if you're not founded in the truth of the facts of the world, you don't know any better. And see, we increasingly have a population of students that don't know anything about science. <laughs> they don't believe that we landed on the moon. Well, everything, just throw it out, throw it out. Why do they believe these things? It's because they didn't have a foundation taught into them. They didn't have the foundation to question what's true and what's not. So they believe a lie. And you can't, you can't argue them out of it. They're so convinced. They're deceived. How many people? Let, let, me, let me ask you this. You know, I went to school for, I mean, just public school. Public school, you have kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. That's, that's 13 years of education, right? I'm doing the math, right? Okay. And then <laughs> if I didn't, then you <laughs> I don't know if you'd listen to anything else I said. <laughs> 13 years of public education, and then I had four years of college. And I went to school for uh, two-thirds of the year, and I went there for seven, eight hours a day. Day in, day out, day in, day out. Now, I'm not putting anybody under condemnation, but if all you do is read a verse card once a week, that's not a foundation in the Bible. And more than that, if you just have one little verse and it's out of context, you really don't know what it's saying anyway. So somebody can come along. Let me, let me do this. This is what happens in messages. This is what happens in the world. This is what happens when sinners and unbelievers quote the Bible to you and you don't know. <clears throat> they'll come along and they'll say something like this. Oh, what's that verse? Hmm. I hath not seen Ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Anybody ever seen that on a poster? If you've been here for very long, you know that doesn't mean what it sounds like. But if somebody comes, quotes you that Bible verse, what do you believe? All of a sudden you believe God doesn't want you to know and he's keeping it from you. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Well, I guess we're just blind until we go to heaven. <laughs> Do you know the, see, if, you, if somebody comes along with a message like that, you're in the dark until you figure it out. So, the very next verse says, but God hath revealed them unto us. By his spirit. He was quoting the Old Testament. <laughs> but you don't know that if you're not founded in the word. Everybody with me? See, you have been given by grace a nature that comes from Christ. And it is not only the Holy Ghost's job to be schooling you in the word. It's also your job to make yourself and yield yourself to the word. So he can teach you. Let me put it this way. Would you rather him teach you everything? Or would you rather have some starting ground? Why don't you start reading this a little bit more and that way he won't have to repeat everything he's already said. We can put it in us, amen? He's recorded quite a bit, so you can put it in and take, take a little bit of proactive initiative and put it in you and then let him teach you on top of that, amen? <clears throat> These last couple weeks we've been talking and I believe we'll, we'll take another step with this. We've been talking about hearing God's voice. And I want to springboard from the verse we ended with. If you'll go to uh, 1 Corinthians. 
Incidentally, what I've said over these last 10 minutes is not, I think it was a side trail for somebody specifically, but it also has everything to do with hearing God's voice. Okay, and we're going to see that here right, right here in 1 Corinthians Chapter 2. <laughs> In fact, I quoted verse 9 and 10 already. We read, or we quoted verse 9. I'll read verse 10 to you. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. But God hath revealed these things unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, everybody say all things, yea, the deep things of God. And then he says this, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now what is he saying here? He's saying what we said just a little bit ago. You know, dogs, they understand other dogs. If you take a dog to a dog park, they know how to relate to those other dogs. They play with them. They sniff them. That's dog things. Dog things to dog things. Any species, cat thing to cat things, whales to whales, they understand each other. See? And he's saying this, you know, what man knows the things of man save the spirit of a man which is in him. As much as you want to train a dog, you'll never be able to make him part of, say, a construction crew. <laughs> Those are man things. I'm not going to trust a dog to build our buildings and our roads. <laughs> Those are man things, right? Well, he's saying, even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Everybody say Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit understands God things, okay? Man doesn't understand God things. God understands God things. Now, look at this verse 12. Now we have received, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. To what end? Why have we been given this new nature? Why have we been given the spirit that is from Christ? That we might know. Everybody say no. That we might know. This was the fulfillment of the Old Testament when he says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. But God hath revealed them unto us. Through what agency? By the Holy Spirit. To the spirit that's on the inside of us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, not that Adamic spirit, not the one from Adam, but we have received the spirit which is of God. What spirit of God came to this earth that we have received? It is Christ. When you were born again, you received the spirit that came from God in the man Jesus Christ. He is the life that lighteth every man, it says in, first John, in John chapter 1. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, you've been born again, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given. Everybody say freely. Freely. They're freely given. Right now they're freely given. It's inheritance, not works freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the man, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teacheth 
comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Not natural with spiritual, not man with God, but spiritual with spiritual. You are of the family of God. And just as to a greater degree in the flesh anyway, I can relate to my son because I know his mind. I have his mind. Because he's my son. I, that's my nature in him. Everybody know what I'm talking about. You are his father. He is your father. You are his sons and daughters. His nature is in you. His spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit abides in that temple that you might know the things that are given by God. But the natural man receiveth not the spirit, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is judged of no man. And then he asked this question, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Well, now we do. We have. It's, he answers it, but we have the mind of Christ. How do we have his mind? We're of the same family. And we have the Holy Ghost. And so he teaches us. He searches all of God things and brings them to you. You're part of his body. Amen. We've been talking about hearing God's voice. And hearing God's voice, briefly summarize. You all know the ways that he talks. Most of you, if you've been here any length of time, visions, dreams. Um, he'll speak right to your spirit in something you can write down. I've had him say th sentences to me I can write down. Visions and dreams. Sometimes it's dreams in the night. Sometimes visions, that sounds more grandiose than it actually is. It's just little pictures. He'll give me little pictures that'll teach me. I'll be going about my day and I'll see something and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost will use that and say, this is what I mean by this. And he'll teach me. There was one time I was watching a movie with the kids and it was a little kid's movie. And it was such a perfect parable for the born again experience. And as I was watching it, he started to, he just, it was amazing how he did it. I'd never seen that movie that way, but now I can't watch it any other way. It's the, it's the gospel to me. <laughs> He'll use visions and dreams like that. He'll speak to your spirit. He'll give you revelation. Revelation is express knowledge that comes from him. One minute you didn't know something, the next minute you do. Paul says that he received much of his revelation from God. That's why he wrote so much. Remember, see? Amen. So these are the ways he speaks to us. And we all know them. And we're his family. And it, Jesus says this. He says, um, my sheep hear my voice well you're his sheep if you've been born again you are his sheep so you have all of the hardware <laughs> you have all of the necessary equipment you are of his family you have received the holy ghost if you have received the holy ghost <laughs> how do you know if you receive the holy ghost well biblically i can see in acts they know they received the holy ghost when they spake with tongues if you don't like it you can read acts <laughs> what it says in one place it even says he says well we know they've received the spirit because they all speak with tongues they were it was, they were gentiles well they know we know that they've received the spirit then if you want proof the holy ghost is upon you he speaks he gives you a language part of that's part of what he's saying here when he says in verse 13 we'll just reread it again 
Second, 1 Corinthians 2.13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Well, what words are they? The Holy Ghost words. <laughs> but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Anyway. So this is the way he speaks, and he doesn't speak from the outside in. He speaks from the inside out. See, In the Old Testament, if God wanted to get a message to his people, he had to use a prophet to come deliver it. Or he had, to, you know, he had to use a special person where God would drop on him and then leave because there was, no, there was no body that was family with God. So he would drop on a prophet, give him a message, and tell him, go tell him this. So they'd go deliver the message, and that's how God was able to work. He would say this to them, say this to them, do this here. But see, now each and every one of you have the Spirit of God, not dwelling on the outside or not a voice from somewhere out but from the inside. This was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel when Peter stood up. He says, everyone, the, the, his spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Your, your, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Prophesy. See, that's each and every one of you. That's you, that's me. There's no special prophet. There is every one of you is a temple and a house for the living God, wherever you go, you carry his presence with you. And his voice is there speaking from the inside. Okay. And we talked about this a little bit, how that a lot of times in Christian circles, circles, you know, the flesh, the flesh still wants to handle things. So the flesh looks for ways to hear God's voice outside of fellowship. Okay, because the flesh understands earning things. And so one of the ways that the flesh hears God, which is not an actual way, is by looking for signs here and there. And I, I've run across Christian circles where they, you know, they'll make some eagle fly over their head, you know. Or, you know, they saw a dove do this, and it means that. I can remember I was at ORU, and I'll just talk this up to being young and dumb, <laughs> but there was a group of students that was praying and, and warfaring and going into spiritual warfare because there was a flock of vultures overhead. I'm thinking, come on, you need to read more of the scripture. I mean, I wasn't even, I was like 20, 21, and I, even I thought, well, this is a little, this is a little out there, you know. <laughs> now I know for sure. God, God isn't, you, you don't look at the physical world, see. And, and this is a mistake people make in more subtle ways. You know, we laugh at stuff like that, you know, <laughs> because to, to most of us that's silly. Okay, but there's a lot of people that believe Eagle sits on your doorstep. There's something special God's trying to tell you. If, somebody, if God's going to tell you something special, he just talked to you. He don't need to send an eagle. Jesus didn't die to send an eagle. He died to send the Holy Ghost to your heart. If you've got to have an eagle, you're, you're deaf in your ears. <laughs> what was I saying? There was something I was going to go on. Oh, more subtle ways. Thank you. <laughs> that there's, we laugh at that but there's other subtle ways that we do this and the ways that in Christian circles we are led by what we see not by faith we're led by external circumstances is opportunity opportunity and see really if your heart wants something bad enough if your heart really desires to do such a thing you're going to anybody here <laughs> anybody desired something so bad 
somehow God ended up agreeing with you. <laughs> and you found some way to reinterpret things to think, well, God must be telling me to go do this. Yeah. That's self-leadership. And you look for ways to justify, God must have told me to do this. God told me. And so you look for things that agree or line up with what you want to do. One of the ways that people do this is opportunity. And the devil is able to ev- easily come steal their calling because maybe, maybe they desire to have more money. They want a promotion. They love the things of this world. But they know they have a calling. You know, their heart's half, half. And so the devil will come call their bluff and say, you know what, there's a, there's a really good job. Makes, makes way more money. A couple hours from here. Why don't you go do that? So they, they, you know, fill out a resume, just throw it in, see. And here's the, da- this is the Russian roulette with your calling. If I get the job, God, if I get the job, I'll believe it's you. Open that door for me, Father. If I get that job, I'll go and I'll know that it's you. If I don't get it, I'll know it wasn't you. That's not how he talks to you. That is not how he talks to you. You might as well wait for the eagle to sit on your doorstep. (laughs) He talks to you in here. He talks to you in here. And there are going to be times where an opportunity knocks and he says yes. There's going to be times where opportunity knocks and he says no. And I've had the backing of everybody. Everybody looks good on the outside. Everybody says, oh, this is great. This is exactly what you need. And I get the check on the inside that says, this is not what I have for you. Who are you going to follow? You have to make a choice. See, And too often we're looking for exterior approval. We're look, we hope God's in the circumstances. More likely the devil is in the circumstances. God, God is in your heart. And he talks to you in there. <clears throat> this goes for choices in business this goes for choices in 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 your financial life this goes for choices in your relationships honestly i don't tell people anything anymore if i think because i don't want them to think i'm putting an approval on something i don't know anything about i got friends you know in tulsa and here and there and they're in relationships with people i don't know and and they end up getting married it's not like i can put my seal of approval on that and say well, God bless you. you. This is God. I'm so happy God's doing this. I don't know if God's doing it or not. And you don't either. So don't speak for God and don't put his voice out there because sometimes, and whether or not you carry a weight in people's lives and you start throwing God around there, they're going to take God's word for it for, through you. And you might send them down a dead end. See. <clears throat> And Jesus said it this way. He said once there was a guy that come to him. He says, pray that you'd help my brother divide the inheritance that it's right. And, you know, this guy was coming with a grief and says, I'm not getting any inheritance. Now, that, if you hear that, you're kind of like, well, that's not fair. And Jesus says, I'm not your judge. I don't know what's going on in your family. No. <laughs> Instead, he starts preaching at him. He says, don't love the things of this world. <laughs> See, we judge too quickly sometimes. We look for God in places he's not. And just because people look happy doesn't mean it's the right thing. I've had good friends that I had to check about their marriage. They didn't. (laughs) 
What are you going to do? More often than not, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, decisions in business and decisions about your finances will take you out of God, but usually it's relationships. It's a lot of time. Because they are looking for God to affirm their heart. And their heart has already been gone down a direction he's told them not to go. And see, that's part of hearing God's voice we don't like to talk about. We like to talk about the mechanics, how, where, when, why. But more importantly than all of those things is having a heart after God. Because I guarantee you, in Amos it says, how can two walk together and accept they be agreed? And if you're walking in areas and blind spots in your heart that is in disagreement with God, yet you still expect to hear him, you're fighting yourself. Hearing God is not a mechanical formula. It's not, tell me what you want. It's more than just your will be done. That's part of it. It's more than just your will be done. That's part of it. It's also having a heart to hear and do his will. And I want to, and I, I, we talked about this a couple months past, but I don't think we talked about it in relation to hearing God's voice. And it's a vital part of following God because, see, why do we want to hear his voice? Why do we want the wisdom that comes from him? It's not just hearing his voice for his voice sake. The whole goal of having his voice in our life is to have cooperation with him. It's to have stuff happen that you can't do, that only he can do. It's to be a force for him on this earth. To see people get saved, to see people get healed, to see supernatural things happen. To have God working with you. So when we simplify it to say, well, I just want to hear God, and we talk about how he speaks, that's one part of it. But the other part of it is developing, cultivating a heart that will actually move with him to do those very things he's already telling you. Because we've already established this. Everything that God has given us in Christ is already yours right now by inheritance. God is constant. He's, he's like the tide. He's always there. He's always coming and he's never stopping. He's permanent. And I, if you can receive this, this is how I'm seeing it. Do you know everything that God has for you is being spoken to you right now? Right now. It's like floodwaters hitting a dam. Right now. On every single one of you. His inheritance is on you. His works are on you. His words are on you. Anything he can tell you, he is telling you. And everything he has for you, he's speaking to your heart right now. Now, the way we perceive things is over time, we take more and more of the promises of God and put them into our heart and we receive more and we view it that way. But from the very day you get born again, everything is right there ready for you to take up. You say, well, it was such and such a year I started to walk in more of the gifts. Do you know it wasn't God's predestined plan for you to walk in more and more of the gifts that certain year? It was always his will from the moment you got born again. But when you step into it is the transformation you take 
in your heart where you begin to receive things you didn't believe for before. That is when it comes in and you start to walk in it. It's not like God is saying, now is the time. Now has always been the time. Is everybody, everybody with me? His promises are with you right now. Everything he can tell you through the Holy Ghost, it's like the tide on you. It's right now. And when you hear something for the first time, know that he's been saying it the whole time. I'm not saying that it's wrong that you haven't heard it, but you're growing into hearing it. Does everybody see that? There's nothing wrong with growing, but understand that growing isn't changing God, it's changing you to receive more and more and more. This is the process of hearing his voice. There are things in my future that he's telling me now, but I won't hear them until I grow to the place where I can hear them. Does that make sense? He doesn't change. And see, the thing is, if you don't ever take steps into obedience, if you don't ever transform areas of your heart, those things that he's telling you right now, you may never hear them because you're not transformed to them. All of the gifts of God, walking in the gifts, are for you right now. But if you never exercise those muscles, fear robs you. And that's just one thing, okay? So I'm just going to use me as an example. Because we're talking about hearing God's voice, and we like to put it in this clean little box where we expect him to talk. But it has everything to do with what you allow and don't allow in your heart and your mind. And so if God speaks up and says, I want you to pray for so-and-so, and it's in a supermarket, one of the things that that challenges is the fear or a stronghold of fear in my heart that says, what are they going to think? What if nothing happens? Anybody else have that thought? And see, what you're really concerned about if nothing happens is not whether God's will is accomplished, it's whether you look like a, like a fool. You're more concerned with you than with him. And so what if you do? Maybe you pray for somebody a hundred times. Isn't it worth that hundred and one time when they receive it? So you fall down a couple times. Everybody, if you don't fall down a couple times, you haven't done anything. You know, I, there's some things we can learn from the world. I remember they taught us Thomas Edison invented the light bulb and he tried a thousand times to get that thing to work. And do you remember his reply? I haven't failed a thousand times. I've learned a thousand ways not to do it. See, if you don't ever stretch and grow with the promises of God, they don't ever get received by you. They're still there. They're still true. He's still talking to you right now. There is a heart that you have to develop and cultivate in your, in your soul. <laughs> There's a heart on the inside of you to do and to have a stance of readiness to operate with God's voice. This, the battle isn't so much hearing it as having a heart to receive it and then go do it. And I want to touch on this, and I don't know how far we'll get into it, but go to First uh, Samuel. And you can just skip to chapter 17. If you, if you take notes and you want to write something down, you can write down 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 7. If you want to read that later after church, I'll do my best to quote some of it. The bottom line is Saul was appointed king. 
first king. But he had broken the commandments of God. He was not yielding to God's will, and so he was going to be cut off, right? And David was his successor, and Samuel was the prophet who appointed those things. And in chapter 16, 6 through 7, uh, God is telling Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart, okay? It's not the flesh that God anoints. It's the spirit. And we'll go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. We know David was appointed an anointed king. And uh, they had all of his brothers come in front of him. And they thought, surely it must be this one, it must be this one. Because of their stature, because of their countenance, because of their strength. And God told Samuel, no, don't look on their outward appearance, look at the heart. Finally, they brought the one kid <laughs> out of the fields. He wasn't even called because they assumed it wasn't, he wasn't going to be king. And it says he was of a fair countenance, meaning he, wasn't, he was young. <laughs> and he was anointed king. Now, I want you, if, if you take anything away from this, I want you to take away the heart of David. Because we want to hear God's voice. We want to hear his wisdom. And we say that what we really want is we want to see God move. We want his power to flow in our situations. We want his will to be accomplished. We want people healed, right? We want people set free. We want people saved. See, so when we say we want to hear God's voice, it's not your voice, it's his voice. And you have to have a heart to receive those things. Be open to hear. Take away from this, in, in reference to hearing God's voice, one of the most important things you can have in really hearing his voice is having a heart after him that is on fire for God, that fervently wants to see God's will done. That is, Paul said, set your affection, your heart's affection on things above. How hard is it if you're, all of your affections are set on the earth and the earthly things and then you go in your quiet time and you try and hear God? What are you hearing him for? You're probably waiting for him to tell you how to get a, a better TV or a, a, a better car. He's, he's a, he, he cares a little bit. He, he cares more about people. <laughs> you know, the heart, the heart. Set your affections. See, we can't isolate God's voice and put it in this vacuum where it's just about, okay, I know where he speaks and I know how he speaks, I'm just waiting. Is your heart ready to do his will? Is your heart prepared to act on what he tells you? Set your affection on things above. Okay. Take away from this the heart of David because that has everything to do with hearing God's voice. Because David was one that said, he had a heart after God's own heart. I mean, what does that look like to have a heart after God's own heart? You're about ready to see it. You're about ready to see it. <clears throat> well, first, first uh, I'm sorry, I'm in 1 Corinthians. I'm talking, but I'm, I'm not in the right chapter. <laughs> Give me a second here. First Samuel 17, 
All right. We'll just start reading here, and I'll do my best not to read the whole chapter 17. (laughs) Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together Ekshotah, (laughs) which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Choktah and Ezekah in Ephesdemin. All right, I don't know those words very well, but you, you see them there, okay? And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the other side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So everybody see in this picture? Two mountains, valley, armies on each side. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, we, we didn't go into this, but we talked about Jesus said, or, or God told Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance, I look on the heart. There is a reason why this writer includes everything about Goliath's physical description here. Because you know what? You might be big, there's always going to be somebody bigger. It's going to be somebody stronger. It's going to be somebody with more money. It's what they say. You know, like you might be a big fish in this pond. There's another pond with somebody else that's bigger. The flesh, there's no strength in the flesh. The strength is in the spirit. Amen. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath again. Now listen to all these details. This is what intimidates us. This is what tells us to not follow God right here. This is where your heart has to hit. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs. And a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. That's a lot of metal. That's a lot of intimidation. That's a lot of strength. Who are you? This is what the devil does. This has everything with hearing God's voice. Because where the rubber meets the road is not how do I hear God's voice. It's are you prepared to do what he says? Okay. Now, maybe you don't fight a giant, but you fight the same senses that tell you things are impossible. You fight the same battles in your own heart when God's telling you to do something. And it might start in the supermarket, and it might end on a national stage. Who knows what God has for you? Because if, if you're not willing to take the baby steps, what, what do you think, you're ready for the big steps? How are you going to hear God in the big things and not in the small things? Because he's got the big things. He's telling you them now, but they grow. You grow into them, okay? They put all of these details in here so that you see and so that you feel and so that you know that David wasn't looking at those things. And he stood and cried, this is Goliath, unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, 
Then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man and we shall fight together. Now, look at this. This is not a heart after God. This is not a heart that's prepared to hear his voice. When Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Are they ready to hear God speak? Are they ready to do the exploits of God? See, it's not just about how does he speak. It's about what kind of heart's on the inside of you. Now, David was the son of the Ephrathite (laughs) of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. All right, now we're going to skip ahead a little bit here. David comes and witnesses this. And we're going to skip ahead here to, let's see, verse 26. Um, He comes across Goliath saying these same things. All right, We'll we'll start with verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, this is Goliath, he's still been doing this every day, okay, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? They're talking to David. Surely to defy Israel he's come up, and it shall be that he that kill, that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done unto the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? And you can already hear David's heart come out here. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, that doesn't mean anything to us. But to them, these people don't have any covenant with our God. They're not of God, our Father. They're not of our nation. We have a covenant through God. Okay, we have his laws, we have his commandments. Who is this guy to oppose us? They don't have his heart at all. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him and his manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Now Eliab was listening in verse 28, and Eliab, his elder brother, which was passed up to be king, (laughs) probably had a little bit of bitterness there. All right. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's angered, anger was kindled at David. And he said, Why comest thou hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou might seest the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? See, this is a type and shadow Because wasn't David anointed king? See, when you receive Christ, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. And you're going to have people in your life that's going to come, and they're going to come tell you, who do you think you are? Don't you remember? You're so-and-so from so-and-so. This is what they did to Jesus. This is Mary's son. We know them. He couldn't do any miracles there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Their unbelief stopped God. Your unbelief stops God. Your unbelief stops his voice from speaking the things that he's saying right now. And you grow into those things and then you hear them, but he's been saying them. They're right now. 
All right, we're going to go to one more and then we'll be done here. Skip down to verse 36. He's talking with uh, Saul now, trying to convince him to let him fight David. He said, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Is there any wavering in his voice? I mean, look at the stance this kid's taking. He's saying, this guy's defying our God. There's no chance. If God is with us, how will he be against us? I defeated lions and I defeated bears, and I guarantee you this guy's going to be one of them. He will be defeated. What does it say in Hebrews 11? It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You must have hope and a vision. If God has given you a word or given you something, look at what David, there is no wavering. There is complete clarity. And he says to Saul, he says, this is going to be just another lion, just another bear, because I have God with me. That is clarity. That is vision. That is conviction. That is unwavering faith and hope. Because he hasn't seen this guy and far as I can tell, David's never fought anything except those animals. He's never fought another man. But he has a vision of hope. And hope gives the, sub faith gives the substance to that hope. And it makes it manifest. See? And when you have a heart like after God, like David had, when his voice comes and tells you to go, there has to be faith and hope and clarity there. And this is that clarity. He's already rehearsing victory in front of everybody he's already telling them it's already done it's already paid for it's already taken care of i guarantee you god will back me up he's done it before see that is hope that is vision that is clarity <laughs> i don't want to be the guy in the battle that wavers back and forth am i ready or not you better make your mind up because they're coming see and the devil he doesn't care for you to wait. He's not going to wait for you to make your mind up either. James said this. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't waver. Let that man think he won't receive anything from the Lord. Could you imagine David getting up there? Talk to good talk and then you choke. <laughs> there is conviction and clarity and vision in him. Everybody see that? Thy servant sleuth both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Man, there's been some practicing to his words. He doesn't just talk it, he walks it. All right? Verse 44. This is probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture here. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And then said David to the Philistine, thou, comes to, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's all the armor you need. That's it. Set up your best, the flesh. God's on my side. Set up your best. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. <laughs> Could you? This is a kid. Never been in war. Refused Saul's armor. He says, I, I can't use those. I don't know how. I just know what God told me to do. Coming up a guy that he was in the army from his youth, has fought in so many battles, full of experience and world wisdom and knowledge about how to fight, trained in it. You're, go you're going to be the one that perishes today. Who does he think he is? So that's what the flesh, that's what the flesh would ask. Who does this guy think he is? Until he goes and does it. I'm reminded of Christ. You remember Christ? When he... <laughs> He, Jesus is the son of David, is he not? He comes in. They're all moaning and wailing and throwing up atonement because the daughter just died. And she says, he says, why do you make such noise? She's only sleeping. And they all laughed him to scorn, it says. They weren't laughing when she rose from the dead. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, verse 46, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I'll give the carcass of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know what is the purpose. There is a God in Israel. Now look at this. I never noticed this. He didn't just challenge Goliath. He challenged everybody. <laughs> he says, after I'm done with you, the rest of them are going. Is God on his side? See, you can hear God's voice, okay. A lot of times it's not his voice that's the problem. It's the heart. <laughs> it's the heart. Because God, he's looking for hearts. Everybody say hearts. hearts. Hearts that not only believe in theory, but are willing to put it to practice. David's faith was not theoretical. It was not in a book somewhere. He's practiced it. He practiced it wherever he went. He worshiped God all the time, and when a threat came, he slew it. He practiced faith, and that's what real faith is. It's not up here. It's in here. See? <clears throat> and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and with the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it, now look at this. Put your, put your actions where your beliefs are. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose. Now, this, this is the picture I have. All right. Because he was insulted by it. This little kid's going to come fight me. Is this a joke? He was sitting down. He wasn't threatened at all by this guy. And it says, he starts talking the talk. You know, David says, I'm taking your head off. And, and Goliath's like, he stands up. That's what it says. He stands up. He arose. Look at this. The second he gets out of his seat, I want you to see this picture. This is faith in hearing God's voice. The second he gets out of his seat, Goliath stands up. Look at the actions that David has. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hastened. Everybody say, or not hastened, it says hasted. 
David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. The moment that guy stood up, he took off running right toward him. He took off running. What kind of heart is in you to go running right towards it? I mean, there's no equivocation here. There's no wavering here. You're going to die, and it's not going to me, and God is going to get the glory. And the moment that guy stands up, he takes off, just sprints at him. That's what it says. This is more than just theoretical faith. This is belief in action. This is a heart after God's own heart that's willing to do what he says to do. Isn't this good stuff? I can get psyched up about this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And we know the rest. Goliath fell. And once everybody saw Goliath fall, it's like all of the rest of Israel woke up to who they were. And they all went after him, everybody, and all of them were slain. I, I took a picture of this quote because I wanted to share it before we left. It was Billy Graham. Anybody know Billy Graham? Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Stop looking to other people, the outside, for God's voice. He's talking to you right now. His words are, you are his child, are you not? You have his spirit. And he's speaking to you. See, more often than not, it's not what I hear. It's what's on the inside of me that stops me. But I'm going to keep practicing and putting into practice. I want to have a heart after God's own heart. I want to be like David, that when it comes time to test what I believe, I'm not backing off. I'm running towards it. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for giving us instruction and direction. Thank you that you want a body that hears you clearly, that doesn't have any confusion or doubt in it. I pray that you'd give us more than just the mechanics of how and where and why you speak, but that you'd also root us and ground us in our heart that we would have hearts like David, hearts like yours, Father, that there's no difference between what we believe and what we do. There is no hypocrisy in our life that we live what we believe in everything. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.